We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. New to me story, new to me author, recommended by our patron of the month. Star! Thank you for this one. Small Monsters by E. Lily Yu. She's always good about picking good stories. Now, this one, interesting enough, did, did you see that it came with, like, this trigger warning thing in the beginning, which I didn't know this, but this actually, like, some people want it, right, because they want to know what they're getting into, certain things they just don't want to read about. But did you know that, like, trigger warnings actually, like, just the fact that they're there trigger people? Like, it's the craziest thing. <laughs> you get triggered by a trigger? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that if that's your take, then this is not the story for you because this story was designed, I think, to help people overcome maybe traumatic experiences in a softer way where it is not literally people but representations of people in these monsters, which I think are supposed to illustrate emotions of some type. My experience when I first started this off, right? So, so after a week of later labor, this mom has this baby monster and is right. hungry so she she nibbles, takes bites out of the monster. Uh, I didn't take notes on where she bit or what she bit off. I didn't I didn't know if there's supposed to be symbols in there. I, I just kind of read the story. But in the opening paragraphs, there's two words here. There's call, and I, I didn't look up how to pronounce it. But I had to look up what the word was, but like Ikor, Ikor, I, I, I didn't know what these words were. And I was like, oh, crap, is this going to be a really difficult story to yeah, read? Yeah, the Ikor is, isn't that like the, the kind of like a bodily fluid substance? Yeah, pretty much. And what, what's weird is the, the narration describes the mom as, I think, it at this point in time. It's not she. It's not the mother. Like, there's there's immediate, uh, like, I assume, attempts to distance yourself from uh, this parent that is abusing a child, right? Because the, the child eventually builds up the strength. It's like, well, why are you doing this? And the mother's like, well, you're my child. I'm allowed to. I own you in a sense, right? Like this uh, expectation of privilege of, uh, well, the privilege isn't the right word, but like, like she is allowed to do it because it's her right, I guess. Yeah, it kind of felt very real to when you're a little kid and your parent says something and you get to that point where, you have a thought of your own. You're not just emulating what your parents are doing or whoever is watching you or daycare or your friends. And you have your first own thought. And the first question that comes to mind is, why? And I remember that as a little kid. And my mom would sometimes try to answer me, but it got to the point where, and I feel like kind of like in this story is, because I said so. That That's the, the old catchphrase, right? When your parents don't know or they are too tired to explain or they don't have a good answer, or they don't want to answer you right then, it's because I'm the mother, or I'm your parent. Oh, that's actually a really interesting point, because, so, most viewers out there know I have a son, he's seven years old right now, and you'll hear little snippets about him and growing up, and my struggles as a parent through this, and one of the things that I was worried about is the backtalk, you know what I mean? Like, the, the questioning is real, yeah. and it's okay to question, you don't want to shut down questioning, 
but I was reading this article about a, a parenting expert, like whatever that means. And they were one of the things that they said <laughs> is they talk about that because I said so, that there are times to use that because you don't want to, th- their defense was you don't want to tra- train the kid to challenge your authority in a sense in some regard, whether that's good or not. I don't know. That's what, that's what this person was saying. But, but you bring up an excellent point here because that is in this specific instance, it's training the child of this is going to be your life. You're not allowed to question it. Yeah. And I think that is a detriment to a child, right? I mean, you want a questioning child, you want somebody that's a critical thinker. And I guess there is that fine line of pushing back against the, 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 the man pushing back against, you know, society or the norms or whatever. Um, because for a family to work together, they need to kind of see eye to eye because if you aren't, you know, believing the same beliefs or if you don't have, you know, the, the, the same structure, you're not going down the same path, you might not be friends. You may be family, but you're not going to be working together. You're not going to be getting along and there's going to be a struggle. And I think that's what the small monster here is starting to see is I'm not on the same page with my my parental unit here and I don't like this. And then we see the story kind of take that turn of what happens when children start questioning their parents going out on their own path and they start running into mm, these things my parents didn't teach me about because maybe they were trying to shelter me so much. Mm, Yeah. Well, and you see coping, right? You see the little monster do that because the baby brother is born and he learns to, okay, when my parent comes home, I have to be the farthest from the door because the first child that they see is going to be the one that they abuse basically. So you see those coping mechanisms of, I can't change that system. So this is how I lessen my own pain in life. I thought that was very interesting because that was one of the parts of the story that I was confused on because I felt like it wasn't true to kind of what happens in real life. I feel like, and I I know maybe this sounds terrible, but I think parents sometimes when there are multiple siblings, they try not to play favorites, but Again, you're just going to have a different relationship, you know, based on maybe uh, the age, um, you know, father, son, uh, mother, daughter, father, daughter, whatever it may be, but or it's just interest as, as a whole. I felt like that was kind of maybe in the story, a poor way of saying how maybe a child to be chosen to be the one to be abused, because I, I feel like in real instances, a parent always will pick a favorite and one that they're going to, you know, pick on, so to speak, for, you know, not trying to get too graphic here because the story does um, a good enough job of that. But th- that was, I was kind of struggle with the story of distance is how it's chosen. I don't really f- feel is the proper way of maybe how that is replicated in real life. Well, you said the word always. I, that's a very strong way of putting it. I don't know. There, there could be situations. I don't want to assume for everyone, but let's put it this way. We talk about it as parent-child. We have no ambiguity as to what this story is about. <laughs> right. right. Like right. when you say, when we say something's a metaphor, it's like you have something that's a stand-in to represent something else, right? And, and sometimes it can mean multiple things. And there's also the word allegory, where you have, you literally, like it's a very like concrete way of representing and and uh, reinterpreting something by using something totally different and it's just like meant to be a one-to-one relationship as a to a metaphor which can be more loose right what is this story because you have a parent abusing a child but it's just it's just a monster instead right it's neither a stand-in it's neither 
meant to be representative of something else. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you have something there because you said something about the, the types of monsters or colors earlier, but, but you made this decision. I think when you, you put it best earlier that this is meant to be a story that I think is a tool for people to understand and maybe interpret this situation, particularly if you've gone through this, this probably is something that could be very uh, emotionally, uh, you could respond to it, I guess I would say. But it, it's it's clear that she chose very few differences, but it's like the fantasy just gives you just enough of a separation, perhaps, to make it more okay to talk about. Yeah, I like what you brought up there, the separation, because for me, the fantasy was, oh, it's a monster, so it's okay. And I guess as a reader does that lessen my feelings towards it? Because monsters are typically in, in our society seen as bad or evil, right? But this monster is being picked on, so you start to have some empathy for the monster or maybe even sympathize with it because you've been in that situation yourself. And I guess I took that as how how does one deal with abuse in a family? How does one cope with that? Do they cope with that? It is the only solution truly to run away because the small monster doesn't stand up to the parent. They run away ultimately in the story with some misleading, I guess. <laughs> how, how did you take that part of the story when the monster finally kind of, quote, got up the courage to leave? You know what? It's we, 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 we throw out these terms very quickly, you and I, of abuse. When a child is in this situation, they are sometimes their interface with the world is just their parent and their parent, as we talked about, is is gaslighting. It's leading them down like this path of this is just what life is. And this child just says, I don't like it. Like they don't know the word abuse. They don't know that it's necessarily wrong, potentially. So what's interesting to your point about the monster that takes it away is just like, well, I'll only nibble on you once a month as opposed to once a week or, or whatever the, you know, the lumber was. It was, it was I'm still going to abuse you, but it'll be less. It's less painful. Yeah. So, so wouldn't this child naturally be like, oh, it's less painful. I, he does less things I like. Let's go do that. Like, oh, you have ice cream. Like, <laughs> it, it's so hard, I think, that we can so easily assume and pass judgment on the decision processes of children, but also keep in mind that they have such limited life experience that they sometimes lack that gauge of, of acceptable behavior and what they can tolerate and, and can. Ooh, tolerate. Good word. I thought about it as the story is kind of progressing is, okay, if this is a metaphor for a child that is in a terrible situation and then it's presented with I don't want to call it an opportunity, but uh, for a lack of better words, an opportunity to get out of this bad situation, to get into a less terrible situation. Do they have the wherewithal? Do they have, you know, the ability to even make a complex decision like that? Or is somebody else an outside factor in, in this case, the, the third monster, whatever it was like a Fox or something like that, that was manipulating them. Uh, so if this is real life and it, and it is this the DCF? Is this child services? Is this, um, uh, you know, a foster care system of some sort or, you know, like a halfway house or something like that, um, where it's still kind of a terrible situation because you're not with like your loving parent that you were supposed to have, but now you're in this other situation. It, it's very complex. Okay. You, you had a lot more parallels with real life there. Like I hadn't really considered like, uh, you know, foster care or, or things like that. 
the, the fantasy brought me far far enough away that from a world building perspective that this was a very doggy dog world to me and i couldn't help but think about have you ever heard of the aesop's fables the um scorpion and the frog oh yeah i got that over on the bookshelf actually yeah <laughs> so so right so the the what is it the scorpion wants to cross the river Yep. And he's like, frog, take me across. Frog's like, no, like you'll sting me and we'll you'll both drown me. and die. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, no, I won't. So, so the frog agrees to take him across, uh, back yep. belly, whatever, across the river. Halfway. Scorpion stings him. Yeah. Scorpion <laughs> yeah. stings him anyways. And the frog's like, what are you doing? We're both going to die now. And the scorpion's like, it's my nature. Like, <laughs> nature. Yeah. I love that story. You'll notice like one of the, the monsters kind of said that too. Like, this is my nature. And, you know, what do we take from that Aesop's fables? Because there's always a couple different angles. There's a question about personal responsibility, about what you're, what risk level you're trying to take on. Uh, there's also a question about uh, how your naivety, right? Like, like, can you really trust the nature of others? Like, like if there's a chance someone can take advantage of you, they probably will. And in this world, being so dog eat dog, you know, a violent world, we see how that in the naivete of someone can be easily taken advantage of. Yeah, I guess that's the other crux that I took from it is that because I, I looked at it kind of so literal in the sense of this being the real world is that's the thing. A child shouldn't have to question a parent. They should be able to trust them 100% to love you and take care of you and provide you with everything you need to be successful or you know move on with your life and stuff set you up for success right i mean why else would you have a child if in if this isn't the thing or the person the it the whatever that you're going to love the most out of the whole world why would you set someone up for failure like that of like i'm going to have this kid but it's going to be for my own personal gain so so we have we have the parent side of things we have the stranger naivety nature versus nurture right um Right. We have the little monster starting to fight off. Uh, was it the rat-faced one or something like that? We see it to start to stand for itself, to realize that it's, it's that coming of age of, of, of starting to take on responsibilities is kind of how I took it. Then we meet yeah. the, the Claude monster, right? What do you think that was? I think that was society. I think that that was all of the things that are just going to come beat you down that you have to fight back. The Claude monster, the the one that uh, put jewels and stuff on his back. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, so I think that was the okay. Yes, I'm sorry. So the Claude monster is is the the friend through it all, right? The yes. the one yeah. that's going to help you through everything. Uh, right. So I was like, oh, finally they got a friend, and you know, it's kind of that you know idea of would you rather have a thousand okay friends or you know, one best friend, you know, and you only need that one best friend and that's it and you'll be fine. And uh, so I, I felt like, you know, I feel like Small Monster finally got just the one thing they needed, that support and all you needed from one person and you can be, you can be fine. You, you don't need, you know, a thousand Facebook friends. You just need one real friend. And you saw how they built each other up, right? By putting and gathering jewels together, going on adventures, uh, Side quest. I, I thought there was going to be a different commentary <laughs> here on that sinking ship when the people and like the sheep who are adorable as hell, they just let them drown, but they got the gold coin. So I didn't go where I thought it was going to go, but they did use, uh, they did go on adventure and they did build up their armor. It's kind of like the, um, 
iron sharpens iron. Yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. It's like friendships allow you to build yourself, to build an armor and to defend yourself against nature, against the naivety, against those that would take advantage of you is kind of how I took it. Yeah. Or build each other up. Right. I mean, it, we're, we're social creatures. And with that friend, you, you don't have to worry about it. And, and I've told my wife this before, the she has given me the most confidence in the world because you know she's so smart she's so beautiful she's all these things you know and through her i know i can do everything uh because she is that friend that allows to lift me up um and and same with you i've realized you know how you know our friendship has lifted me up intellectually and challenged me and made me think and you know made me read more and, and question things and that i think that's in the story is the representation of that's what a friend is going to do is allow you to become your best self and it doesn't have to be a parent or family you can choose who your family is or choose who your friend is and that's what i think is uh, wonderful about the story that the small monster did let me, let me just read a couple of quotes from this small, the Claude monster. I want, to, I want to get your thoughts on this. He says lines such as, anyone can be improved. Art is all. Nothing lasts. And he talks a lot about how, you know, art is self-expression and what is trauma, right? Is, is it something that, that we go through for the purpose of creating better art? How did you take some of these statements in the story? I felt like, Claude Monster was telling Small Monster that this is going to make you a better person. You're going to come out stronger in the end. Um, I guess it's that old adage that, you know, whatever doesn't, you know, kills you, makes you stronger. And Little Monster small survived all these things from their parent and made them maybe a little bit jaded on life and society. But through the end, I think became a better person i mean even though it's a monster became a better monster that wasn't and, and didn't replicate what the parent had done right they they saw that this was wrong and i'm not going to do that i'm going to be better than than my parent and i i think that's the hope for many parents right is that you become your, your children become better than you or are better off than you have a better life than you well, I think we see the little monster go the opposite way from the bat. Like he fought his mom. He fought the the three clawed. He fought all of the, the monsters of his past, right? And Everything the world can throw at him. <laughs> and he tries to swim away from them. He doesn't, he avoids, he tries to avoid conflict. He doesn't fall down the same violent tendencies that the other people in this world do. And so ultimately they kind of get to that, that really, I thought it was a beautiful ending with the islands, how an island kind of like stops all that wave lapping. It's that idea that you take life one step at a time and you're not worried about the tumultuous uh, waves of the sea. And each time you build that island, that creates that calm in between steps. And you realize you can take life on through the calm of single steps as opposed to, you know, the tumultuous looking out at the big sea. I, th I thought it was a good ending. Oh, see, you're always such the optimist. That's why I love you. So I took it as a very downer ending that small monster realized that it couldn't rely on anybody else in this world and that isolated itself on this lone island and started building a barrier, <laughs> built a barrier around itself to protect itself from the outside world so that it didn't have to suffer anymore. I, I took it totally different. <laughs> Dude, we, we, you nailed oh. it though, that I truly am the total optimist and, and you really are the pessimist. It's, it's very oh, true sure. to our nature, but I, I totally see that. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, and I see yours as well. I, I love that. Uh, so I, I love the open interpretation. So uh, thank you again um, for the, the suggestion, Star. This was a, a fun read and a good talk. 
appreciate it. And to my friend that helps sharpen my own tin uh, to many more days of spending time together and sharpening and building each other's armor. Cheers, friend. Cheers. Cheers.